Good morning and welcome to Laurel Heights where you can expect and should demand teaching and preaching from the text of Scripture. In my sermon preparation several months ago, I put two sermons on the calendar for June for today and next Sunday morning. Today, what Jesus said about heaven. Next Sunday morning, you probably already know what Jesus said about hell. There is no question we need to know about heaven and hell. And there is no question we need to hear this from Jesus. He is the authority. He is our King and Savior. So we need to be informed and motivated and warned with regard to our eternal destiny in one place or the other, and we need to hear this from Jesus Christ. Two sermons, what Jesus said about heaven, and next Sunday, what Jesus said about hell. A very simple approach is called for. What did Jesus say about these things? That's my pathway into our time together this morning and again next Sunday morning. A very simple question. And we shall rely on the Bible for answers. The Bible is the place where we learn what Jesus said. So what did Jesus say about heaven? He said there is such a place. I'm going to take us to two passages in the Gospel of John to begin this phase of our study, and then we'll look at some other places. In John 3, 13, in that conversation Jesus had with Nicodemus, do you remember, about being born into the kingdom? One of the brethren read from this a few weeks ago. One of the statements Jesus made was John 3.13, No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Where did Jesus come from? He came from God, and here it says, He came from heaven. He speaks of where He came from. And the language is clear. Look at that phrase, He descended from heaven. Did He descend from some imaginary place? It wasn't a dream or a creation of the apostles when they said heaven. It cannot be argued that religious devotees and writers after the apostles invented the idea. No, Jesus said, there is such a place. Then, in John 6, 33, Jesus speaks of the spiritual nourishment God provides. He said, for the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Where did Jesus come from? Again, same question, same answer. Jesus came down from heaven. It's a real divine place that He came from. A real divine person came to earth from a real place where the Father dwells, and it's called heaven. Now, 
John 3.13 and John 6.33 would settle it, but there's much more. Have you noticed that all through the Sermon on the Mount, all through the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, there are these statements where Jesus speaks of the Father's presence in heaven. I'm going to give you a few. You remember this? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's Matthew 5.16. In Matthew 5.45, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Matthew 5.48, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Matthew 6 and verse 9, in this manner therefore pray our Father in heaven. So what is your conclusion? If you believe in Christ, you believe what he said. And he said, there is such a place as heaven. Now, if you will give me another moment or two on this point, I'd like to add that this place, heaven, is not here. It may seem that I'm oversimplifying what you already recognized, but I want you to let me add, it's not here. You may hear someone say, or you may read what someone has written or spoken, that heaven will be here on earth in a renovated habitation that is essentially material as it is now, but it's all going to be fixed up, and this will be heaven here on earth. That doctrine runs up against several brick walls in Scripture. In fact, it runs into a fiery wall. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10, you'll find the statement that you've heard before, the earth and the works that are done in it will be burned up. Two, this hope of an earthly heaven is contradicted in Colossians 3 and verse 1. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. In Philippians 1.23, Paul's desire was to depart from this place, this location, <coughs> and be with Christ. And you may also remember 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 1. We know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now, we are people who depend on the clarity of Scripture. Remember I said when I started, you should demand preaching and teaching from the text of Scripture. And that's what we've given here. And we can depend upon the clarity and the authority of what we've read. That Jesus said, there is such a place as heaven. The Father dwells there. Jesus ascended back there after His resurrection. And it's not here. It's there. And the people of God 
desire that eternal place of joy and peace in the presence of God. Now, if we're going to look at what Jesus said about heaven, we've got to look at this. Jesus said not everybody will go there. Not everybody will go there. I'm opening my Bible to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to read verses 21 to 23. It is disturbing to many people in the world today, but it is the truth. It is important for everybody to understand that not everybody will go to heaven. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I want you to look at this passage for a few minutes and contrast two things in the passage that are side by side. Two things in contrast. And you can look at that by contrasting two words, says and does. I'm using the English Standard Version and in verse 21 it reads like this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now did you hear the contrast? The contrast is between saying and doing. For so many people today, there is so much more said about religion than is done. May I repeat? For so many people today, there is a lot said about religion, but not much done. We all know people who are quick to say that they are Christians and claim their allegiance to God, boasting sometimes of long-term association with a certain group. Sometimes pride that a certain kind of religion has been practiced back over multiple generations. My great-grandfather was of this group or this faith. There is just a lot of talk. Every time there is some disaster or loss reported on TV news, you hear that phrase, thoughts and prayers. It's very easy to say, isn't it? Easy to talk about religion. It's one thing to boast about your allegiance to Jesus Christ and your love for Him. But Jesus wants everybody to know, you read it here, saying... Is not going to get you there. Saying is not going to get you there. There will have to be doing. So who goes? Who gets to go? We're going to listen to Jesus. These are his words. The one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
It is considered by some a hard saying. But if Jesus said it, we accept it. And Jesus said, look at the first two words in Matthew 7, 21. Jesus said, not everyone. Not everyone gets to go to heaven. Saying, Lord, Lord, doesn't get you in. Claiming to have been a prophet doesn't get you in. Asserting your alleged victory over the demonic world. No, that doesn't get you in. Handing over your resume of mighty religious works and sayings doesn't get you in. What you hear back is, I never knew you. Well, what is it, Lord? Doing the will of the Father. The Father sent His Son to die for us so we can be forgiven. We believe in Christ and obey the gospel, doing the will of the Father. We arise from baptism to walk in newness of life, doing the will of the Father. We grow and correct our course along the way. We participate as members of a local church, follow Jesus in our daily walk, doing the will of the Father. We are receiving what a God of grace offers through His Son, so that heaven will be our final destination and there will be more to be evaluated than just what we've said. Heaven. Not everybody will go. His followers will go. I'm going to turn a page or two back. <clears throat> I'm in Matthew 5 now, verses 10 through 12. Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 10 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This reward in heaven is what we anticipate and what we think about and sing about and pray about. It is not what we earn because we're so great. It is something granted to us because we follow Him who is so great. One of those things needs to be repeated. This reward in heaven is not what we earn because we are so great. <clears throat> it is something granted to us, people of active faith, because we follow Him who is so great. His greatness is captured and conveyed to us by who He is and what He did and where He ascended to the right hand of God. He knew no sin, gave His life for us to be free of sin and go to heaven. By grace you have been saved, Paul said. Our reward is not something we earn by our greatness. It is something granted to us because we follow Him who is so great and who has done such great things for us. The Apostle Paul had his eye on this reward in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 
I'm going to read verses 7 and 8. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Final words from Paul. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved His appearing. The crown of righteousness will be given to all those who fight a good fight, finish their course, keep the faith. They love the thought of the joy of His appearing and then being in the presence of God. So at this point, our topic turns into hope. When Paul spoke of this crown, this reward, those are words of hope. When Paul said, the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me this crown, those are words of hope. When Jesus said, great is your reward in heaven, that's a statement of hope. Now what does this do for us? This hope is what holds us up. It helps us. It imparts strength. It saves us out of the storms. Produces joy and conveys to others that we have a destination. We are only sojourners here. The psalmist admitted to times of despair... But it was in those very moments that hope sustained him. Psalm 42, 11, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him, the help of my countenance and my God. You've heard preachers say for a long time that there are only two eternal destinations. That's echoed by Jesus in John 5, 28 and 29, where he said, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Which is more attractive to you? I want to go to heaven. I want to get as far away from sin and the chaos of sin as possible. And God says I can through Christ. I want to go where good people will be everywhere around me. And God says I can through Christ. I want to go where joy is perfect, where love is governing everyone, where there is no anticipation of pain or suffering, where there is nothing but purity and goodness, and God says, I can, through Christ. I want to be with God who made me, and God says, I can, through Christ. I'm going to tell you next week, but I'll go ahead and tell you now, the worst thing about hell is the absence 
of God forever without any hope. The best thing about heaven is the presence of God forever without any thought that it will ever change. I told you this story once before, perhaps, about a boy and his father traveling in a car back in the days before air conditioning. Windows were open, and a bee flew in the window. The boy was so highly allergic to bee stings that both he and his father knew that his life was in danger. As the boy frantically jumped around and tried to avoid the agitated bee, the father calmly reached out and grabbed the bee. When he opened his hand, the bee began to fly again, terrorizing the boy. The father then said, Look, son, holding up his hand with an implanted stinger. Son, his stinger is gone. He can't hurt you any longer. As a bee loses its stinger when it stings, so death lost its sting when it stung Jesus Christ. Let's go to heaven, to a place of beauty compared to a pure bride a place of comfort, a realm of peace and safety unlike anything on earth. It's a place of fellowship with deity. I've often said, and I'll say again, the best thing about it is the presence of God. Heaven is a place of rest, reward, security, worship, and joy. Let's go to heaven, and if you need to take the first steps now, will you come while we stand to sing?